Welcome everyone again. It is so lovely to see you all. Um, my name is Chantel and I'm one of the pastors at Karen Fergus Vineyard Church. And we are just so happy that you are here. We have had this event in our hearts, as Philip has said, for over two years, the blessing and the battle. And it's so wonderful to worship together in this room and to give glory to God together. Um, and we're so glad to see you all. Um, I just love this because there's some people here from my own church, but there's loads of people from other places. Some of you I've known for a long time. Some of you I just met a couple of weeks ago at Nuya. Shout out if you're a Nuya. Those rowdies from Lagan Valley Vineyard. <laughs> um, yeah, and some of you I don't know at all. Um, and just, I just wanna say you're so welcome here. But whenever we were worshiping, um, I just had this picture of a big, well, a table. It was a, a, quite a big table. And some of you um, are from other churches, or maybe some of you don't go to church at the minute. And I just felt like God was saying, there is a seat at my table for you. And maybe some of you don't feel that way. Um, and it just, I just felt like, say, one of you was to walk up to the table and some of us are sitting there, we are just going to say, come on in, scooch a seat up, come and sit beside us because there is a seat at God's table for every single person. So you are so welcome here tonight. And I am going to say, if you're local and you don't have a church, you're always welcome at Carrickford's Vineyard, 10.30 here in this room tomorrow. Um, you're very welcome. And uh, there's not really loads of announcements, but we just wanted to tell you that our friends at Causeway Coast Vineyard, some of them are here. Big woman. Yes, come on. And um, they're having their Illuminate Women's Conference in November on the 11th and 12th, correct? Correct, Andrea Pavey? Um, it's called Waters Deep, an invitation to a deeper journey with God. And one of our favorites, Andrea Wigglesworth, is gonna be speaking at it. So, we always get a wee posse from Carrick to go up and stay over and enjoy time together with each other and time with God at the conference. So we'll have a wee competition going with Andrew and Coos Vineyard to see who can get the most. <laughs> but really encourage you if you know, you've never been before to illuminate. We are always so blessed when we go there and we meet with God and we have so much fun. So tickets are on sale. That's a wee plug for you, girls. You can pay me later. Okay, so enough of the announcements. And um, if you read your emails, we sent you, or you heard from your friend who booked you a ticket. And um, we just really wanted to think about a local organisation in our town who um, are a real blessing to loads of people in our community. And they're called the Sithra Foundation. So I'm just going to invite Catherine up now if she'll come to share a little bit about what they do. So um, this is Catherine Harper, and she's very welcome. And Catherine actually started Sithra Foundation. So Catherine, could you tell us a wee bit about how it started and why it started and what you guys do? Well, Sithra actually was formed formally um, 21 years ago and started from my house. And we got a committee we built and we built an organisation. 
The reason I set out today, because I believe that God put in my heart that people needed a place to get help, support, and even accommodation to get away from domestic abuse. And we started off with females as it was at the time, and we have since opened a refuge. We have a counselling service, we have an advice service, we have a support service, and we have different things that happen, programmes and projects and groups and things that go on within the community. And the, the accommodation unit is always full, and it really is always full. So we work from there and we help the people that are in there. And what we want to do is to help people to move from surviving. First they have to recognise what's going on, then they have to survive it, and then they have to thrrive. And what we do that's a wee bit different. We work very much on one-to-one -one, and we work at giving people the opportunity to thrive, to learn, to overcome the, the abuse that they've been through, the impact that it's had, not only on them but on their families, and give them an opportunity to rebuild their lives. Just as that song was saying, you know, but he's love and he's this. All the lovely things that he is and they're the things that we want people to see. We are a Christian-based organisation but we help anybody. And we're now in the process of um, looking to build uh, or open a place for meals because it's amazing. I mean, just this week, six young men found dead on the streets. And I don't know about you, but I know that there's no place for men to go. There's no refuge that helps them with the support that we give. There's no place in all of Ireland where they can treat it for health with domestic abuse. And it's not always husbands and not always, um, you know, brothers. Sometimes it's sons, sometimes it's fathers. Sometimes it's different people. So domestic abuse stretches right across the whole spectrum. So that, just the other thing was, the reason I did this was because in my first marriage, I was a victim of very severe domestic abuse. So I know how it feels. And I want people to overcome that and thrive from it. Brilliant, thank you. about some of the groups that you do, Catherine, and what happens there and how it helps the people who go to those groups? Right, one of the ones we do is we make people aware of what domestic abuse actually is. Because it's very often called domestic violence, you'll notice. Um, but it's more than that. Domestic abuse is psychological, uh, emotional, spiritual. And one of the things I think we need to recognise, and we're trying to put together a programme for churches, is to teach churches to recognise this in their own congregation. They actually accept that it's happening because a lot of churches, and I've dealt with some people that have come from that, and they said, my, my pastor said there's no such thing in the church. You know, a Christian wouldn't do that. But I can tell you now, it very often is, and the word of God is used as a weapon to keep people down, to keep especially females and sometimes children, to keep them down and keep them unmanaged. Because domestic abuse is not about just about violence, it's about control. And anything that can be used to control a victim is used without, without any mercy. And there's no mercy in any of it. And that's what you want people to see. They're entitled to live, they're entitled to love, and they're entitled to be who they want to be without somebody else controlling their lives and holding them down. Thank you. Um, and I just, we're gonna take up an offering in a minute for the work of Sithra, but you're wanting to use that for something very specific. So we might have we have a photo. Yes. Yes. We have 
an allotment. I'm sorry, I keep going to say plot because that's what you call them in Belfast. The plots. <laughs> and I have to think and go, it's not a plot, it's an allotment. <laughs> it's a plot on the allotment. <laughs> sorry, I'm North Belfast born and bred, that's it. Um, this is what it looked like when they first got it. As you can see, it was a bit of a wreck. But they've cleared the scent. They have put a lovely shade on. They have put fencing on. Are, it's used on a day-to-day -day basis for um, women and children coming from the refuge because our refuge has no uh, play space. We have nowhere outside for them to go at all. So this is a wee, lovely wee place, a wee safe space where they can go and teach their children to grow and to grow their vegetables and just to sit and contemplate because it's a lovely peaceful place. And I never answered your questions about the programmes that we were no, doing. No, just no, 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 no. <laughs>
Catherine and all the team at Sithra and what they do and we have been able to work together and when we know someone is needing help we've been able to lean on them to support them so we're so thankful. So I'm just going to pray um, for Sithra and the, the girls and then we're just going to take up an offering um, and while we're doing that I realise it's quite warm in here so if you need to get a wee drink there's more at the back or if you need to leave your glass up that's fine so as we take the offering we'll have a wee break and then we'll come back and Steph's going to come and share but I just want to pray and pray for the offering and if the girls here doing that want to start that's great. Lord I just thank you for Catherine, I thank you for her heart and for those who are experiencing domestic abuse. And Lord, I thank you for Sithra and how it's grown and how many women and families in our community it has helped. And Lord, we just ask your blessing on this ministry. We ask, Lord, that you would grow it so that you would, what they long to see, they would see, that you would provide for them. And I just thank you for the generosity this evening that's gonna create space for people to feel safe and for them to know what love is, as we've said. So Lord, just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Catherine. Okay, girls, if you can make your way back to your seats, that would be fantastic. We don't want to miss anything that what God wants to do. Our church context, there are two members of staff, our senior pastor and me, 
So it pretty much means that I am the jack of all trades and the master of absolutely none of them. <laughs> I just give anything a go, and uh, that's how I feel tonight, just giving it a go. Um, yeah, so, but a really wise man actually once told me that as number two, your job is to make your senior pastors look incredible. <laughs> and I think they're pretty incredible, so I must be doing an okay job. I kind of tell myself, that's okay, it's going well, it's going well. We joke in our house as well that uh, I think I think this is the deal with ministry, but specifically vineyard, that it was a buy one get one free deal. So although I take the wages home, my husband and I really love my job. <laughs> we do it together. So we've had eight years of uh, really being on the front line of um, church planting and kingdom building, and it's really exciting and such a privilege to be. Uh, under Ben and Shanley, and Shanley's here tonight, and I just want to honour those guys because they are really incredible, and uh, yeah, yeah, I love them so much. <laughs> so I've never been up to Carrickfergus before, well, Carrickfergus Vineyard, um, I've spent time in spaces with Paul and Chantel over the last eight years, and Colin and I have just really loved them, and we admire them, and respect them, but I have to be honest, my main lens for Carrick Fergus Vineyard has been clergy. Yeah. So that's kind of led us to a place of, of deep concern and intercession for all of you. <laughs> Just, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, we, we've got to know Sergi um, through uh, the wider Vineyard Worship Tribe. So Colin and I, we, we also get to look after worship in our home church. And uh, and it's been a joy to get to know these guys. Um, and we connected then at a, a worship retreat there this year. And, uh, and I, was, I was speaking at that. And so they said, come, come and speak. Um, at Carrickfergus Vineyard and I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up because I've always just been really nosy to know what, what does this look like where Sergi goes to church? What is that? <laughs> How could that be? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> um, yeah, so about a month ago the lovely Philippa and Chantel came all the way up over the Glen Sheen to Bandit Country, to Derry. <laughs> and, uh, and they came and they shared their heart for this event and I have to be totally honest with you, I was equal parts like intrigued and terrified at the theme of blessing and battle because it just to me seemed like such a complex concept um, but it kind of felt like an important one uh, considering what we're coming out of as society this pandemic uh, covid these restrictions life just was changed it was hard and actually that conversation was cropping up all over the place for me with friends and even strangers and fellow leaders and how do we live this life where we're kind of balancing that, that dual thing of pain and blessing and knowing both to be true? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I wanted to come tonight and unpack that really for myself and with you guys. And so I asked myself, how is it possible to simultaneously walk in the lived experience of pain and the blessing of God? And those two things seem diametrically opposed or is there something that I've missed? Something that makes these two seemingly conflicting ideas and realities possible at the same time? And that's really what I want to explore with you guys tonight. So what do we mean by blessing and battle? See, I think that we are a people who actually understand battle really well. I think that it would be almost impossible for us to come out of the past season without understanding the concept of battle. It's been hard, hasn't it? 
And um, even if we hadn't lived through the past two years, I think we just were born and it's not too long until we understand the concept of pain and suffering and disappointment. But we did live through the past two years, so I'm gonna focus on that for a second because I imagine that in this room tonight, there are some people and you struggled with sickness or you're still struggling with sickness and you're having to walk out a hard-won kind of uh, recovery. Uh, and, and, then, and then I imagine that there are some people in the room tonight and, and it's even been worse than that. You've lost some loved ones and that's been hard. And harder than just losing a loved one, you're having to deal with, oh, I'm getting the mic swapped. Thank you, Sergio. Uh, you knew that you were useful. <laughs> I understand. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so, so not just losing a, a loved one, but actually the, the the difficult the difficulty in the last season was that we couldn't even grieve for the ones that we had lost in the way that we are so accustomed to, and that was such a painful experience as I watched friends and loved ones have to walk through that. And then even if you didn't experience sickness or loss in the last couple of years, you've definitely experienced um, the loss of the parameters of comfort and control that we've become so used to as sort of society shut down. And those things that we've become, we put our trust in, they crumbled, didn't they? And so all of us, all of us in the last couple of years have really struggled at one point or another. And in fact, experts actually are suggesting that it will be years from now that we will fully understand the implications of what we've just lived through on our mental health and on the mental health of our children and our young people. COVID was hard. And life is hard. We are a people who understand battle entirely. I think it's actually the concept of blessing that we get hung up on. And what do we even mean when we refer to the blessing of God? See, there are so many lenses that we bring to this idea of blessing when we think about it. There's the lens of tradition, what you grew up hearing and, and then believing, what you were raised around. And there's a really strong cultural lens actually that comes with blessing. Imagine for a moment that you're in a crowded room and someone sneezes. What does everyone rush to say? Bless you, right? And so actually you don't even need to be a follower of Jesus for the language of blessing to be on your tongue. It's, it's, it's in there. It's laced in our, in our culture. And, and if you think about what we're saying when someone sneezes, it's, oh my goodness, you sneezed. I hope that doesn't progress into anything worse, like a cold. So I'm going to pronounce a blessing over you. May God bless you. That's what we're doing like isn't that crazy and then think about it in terms of like popular culture right hashtag blessed who's heard that and you only have to scroll through instagram to have this feed that is made up of of all sorts of pictures of new cars and jewelry and and and, and, and beautiful shiny things and so right there in the mix of the narrative is this message that the blessing of God somehow involves prosperity and riches and gain, that it's tied to circumstance and situation. And so I think right at the beginning of this conversation, it's good for us to kind of poke at the pieces of the puzzle that make up the idea of blessing in our mind's eye. What are we talking about? 
So as I came to consider the idea of blessing, I was asking myself those questions and I wanted to make sure that my idea, when I talk about it tonight, of blessing was shaped by something other than my tradition, my upbringing, culture, Instagram. And I thought a really safe place to start are the words of Jesus. Isn't he just a wonderful reference point for anything? See, the Bible says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. And so he's a safe place to start. And right at the beginning of his ministry, when he's uh, beginning to just open up this world, this language of the kingdom, what it is, who it's for, he teaches this really uh, famous section of scripture. He, he stands on mount and he tells these people who he considers to be blessed. And it's not what we would think. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So right from the outset, Jesus is painting a picture of blessing, who it covers and who it's for, and it seems to me like it has very little to do with circumstantial comfort. When he's setting up this, these parameters for blessing, it feels to me like actually there's a relationship between some of the hard stuff and the people who are, he says, you are blessed, you are experiencing blessing. That, that's, that's messing with my mind a little bit. I have to be honest, because I just grew up believing something different. So if we've established that the blessing of God has little to do with circumstantial comfort, then how does God describe blessing? What are the parameters of his bestowed blessing and what does it look like for us to live in it? Well, the really good news for us is that we have this broad and beautiful kind of um, story of scripture that, that journeys and tracks the journey of God and his created children and how we relate to one another and it's full and beautiful and good. And it's a really good thing to turn to when we want to understand what God means when he talks about blessing. And the really great idea is that he starts with blessing. It's right there at the very beginning of the story. I don't imagine lots of you brought your Bible tonight, but if you did and you want to, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to pick out some verses and just unpack how we get the blessing of God or what it looks like. I imagine that in this room most of us know that the story of creation, this beautiful poem found in Genesis that kind of depicts this creation narrative and how God spoke the world into being. It's beautiful, it's creative, it's, it's rich. And I'm going to give you the rundown of the first couple of days. There's seven days, right? I'm going to give you the rundown of the first couple of days and then we're going to jump in on day five and it's verse 22 for those of you that are reading along. So day one, God separates the darkness and the light, thus creating the first day and night. Day two, God separates the sky or the heavens from the earth. Day three, God separates the dry land from the sea and he populates the land with trees and plants. 
Day four, God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And then day five, this is where we're going to jump into the story. Day five, God creates the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And this is what it said. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And then day six, God goes on now to create the animals that live in the land, the livestock, the wild animals, and finally he reaches the pinnacle of creation. He makes humanity. Let's read about it in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And then day seven, God is done. He, he, is, he looks out over what he has created and he appreciates it. He sees the beauty in it and he says that it is good. And then he models one of the most important aspects of health and blessing. So we can read about it in chapter 2 of Genesis verse 2. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I want you to notice from this story in Genesis that there are three blessings described in the origin story of creation. Number one, there's a blessing pronounced over the animals that populate the earth. God blesses them and he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Number two, he blesses humanity with the same blessing, but with an additional instruction. This time he says, be fruitful and multiply, and also fill the earth and subdue it, rule over it. So the blessing over humanity involves a deputized authority, an invitation into the divine act of stewarding the blessing of others. We not only exist, to bless ourselves, but to be a blessing on the earth. And number three, he blesses the seventh day. Who here tonight needs to hear that rest is holy? A command of blessing for all who dwell on the earth. That is a word in itself. My point in drawing our attention to this tonight is that there is something in the original blessing of God over humanity that is tied up in assignment. The deep privilege of image bearing that invites us into the divine act of blessing the earth and blessing others. But we know the outcome of this story, don't we? 
And within a couple of short chapters, a character enters a story who uh, pollutes the minds of mankind and he plants the seeds of doubt and mistrust that perhaps the fullness of this blessing that God is talking about, he hasn't actually given it to us. He's holding something back. Yeah, and we're tricked into grasping and grappling for the blessing for ourselves, breaking the trust bond with God with disastrous consequences. So if chapter one in Genesis is this beautiful outline of the blessing of God, chapter three in Genesis is the lament of God's father's heart as he outlines for his children the consequences of our mistrust and greed. Here is how he describes what we have come to understand as the curse. Number one, a curse befalls the serpent, this character who had come along to spread doubt and confusion and mistruth. He curses him to a life of indignity on his belly, but also to the promise that one day you will be crushed and defeated for good. Number two, a curse befalls the earth informing mankind that from now on what should have been effortless will now become back-breakingly difficult. Do we have any farmers in the room tonight? If you ask that question in dairy, half the room would have put their hands up. <laughs> <laughs> we will have to work the land now in sweat and toil in order for it to yield a harvest. It's going to be hard. And number three, a curse befalls humanity. You know, when I was growing up, my grandmother would blame the curse for um, all manner of things, but specifically the painful monthly cycle, <laughs> citing it as the cause of all of women's woes, from cramps to labour pains, hormonal breakouts and the dreaded bloat. <laughs> but scholars actually, uh, this is really interesting, scholars actually disagree around what the Hebrew writers were actually describing um, in Genesis chapter 3. If you your Bible now, you look at your translation, you probably have ESV or NIV, you will uh, read that there was increased pain in childbirth. But actually, there's a bit of debate around what that original Hebrew word was, because there was lots of words that could have meant that, could have meant pain in childbirth. Actually, the word probably much more meant that there would be difficulty in conception in the first place. And so here we have a curse fall upon the soil of the land and our physical labor, and then we have a curse upon the soil of our very multiplication, upon our relationships, even upon equality. However you choose to translate Genesis chapter 3, one thing is clear, for the first time ever, disappointment and pain becomes the seedbed of this human experience. Disappointment is impossible to escape, right? Like you won't be around long before it's just part of your existence. Disappointment in a parent or a friend or a circumstance or even worse, yourself. We aren't born cynical. We are born innately hopeful and it's often our experiences and disappointment that harden our hearts and diminish our expectation. <coughs> and the way I see it, there are two things that you can do with disappointment. 
You can deal with it, or you can dwell in it. You can honestly bring it before the Lord and really, really allow him to expose it and heal it. Or you can set up camp there and it becomes the permanent postcode for your heart. The emotional portal through which everything else experienced in life is viewed. But disappointment is so much more than an emotion to be felt. It is the posture that determines our direction. Disappointment requires us to be past focused. To really engage with disappointment, we have to posture ourselves looking over our shoulders, fixated on what has been. The opposite of disappointment is hope-filled appointment. The act of facing the future with expectation, bravely asking the Lord, what is next? Where are you assigning me to be your image on the earth? Where are you inviting me to creatively share the blessing of others? It is the posture of dreamers and pioneers and kingdom builders and world changers, but only if we do the hard, core work of correction and exposure and strengthening. I don't think that the enemy much likes us, but I'm convinced that he hates it when we walk out life with expectation and a sense of hope-filled assignment. He'd love to distract us from that. I imagine that if you're here tonight, you're no stranger to disappointment. And if we were sitting over a coffee and just relationally sharing life and journey, uh, you could list all of the ways in which you've experienced disappointment. Whether in the past couple of years during this uh, pandemic, or somewhere along the way that's been impactful and has left this mark, this kind of cast a shadow over your life. And I'm like you, I'm no stranger to disappointment. In fact, I have a story, I imagine much like a lot of you, that is laced with pain and, and um, a string of broken dreams and, and battle wounds. And I don't have time to go in with major detail tonight, but I'm gonna give you a whistle-stop tour of my young adulthood, right? You prepared for this? Okay, here we go. I am married at 20 to my first and only boyfriend, right? <laughs> and then I struggled for seven years of that marriage with a psychosexual condition that made intercourse impossible rooted in the painful memories of a negative childhood experience with a neighbor. And in the middle of those seven years, I received diagnosis that meant that even if intercourse were possible, pregnancy would never be because it just wasn't going to be my lot. And so along with that, a dark sense that I was fundamentally broken as a woman on so many levels that my self-worth was just completely diminished. When I was 26, I then discovered that my husband had cheated on me with a young person I was mentoring in a ministry setting, and I stayed. 
not because I desperately loved my husband, but because I was so completely terrified of what would happen if I left. Could I even still pursue ministry, the dream of my heart since childhood? And at that stage, I didn't know even any single woman in ministry, never mind divorced, shamed women, so I didn't fancy my chances. Eventually, after the most pain-filled year of my life, my husband did the most courageous thing and probably the most noble thing that he did in the seven years of our marriage, and he left. And yet more shaking and disappointment followed when I found myself homeless and cut off from a family I had come to love as my own. And finally, the, the final nail in the coffin really was that I was asked to step down from all active roles within ministry because the church I had given my entire adult life to needed to figure out how to handle this. I found myself emotionally beaten up beyond recognition. Unsure of anything I thought I could trust. Purposeless, lacking identity, terrified for the future. Because let's face it, I thought no one would want to go near damaged goods. And I was disappointed beyond belief by those I trusted most, who I thought should have fought to carry me. The thing is, though, this isn't where my story ends, and I can't tell you all of the ways in which love became a miracle in my life, but within a very short space of time, I found myself falling head over heels in love with my childhood best friend who valiantly declared that he didn't care what I could give him and that love always wins. And in no time at all, we were married. And Colin's love for me created this space um, where I could heal. I could come and, and, and really do the hard work of healing. Not only from the wounds of a failed marriage, but deep betrayal and the lingering ramifications of childhood trauma. And so actually what seemed impossible became possible. But I would be doing this disservice, or this, sorry, this story a disservice if I didn't tell you about the season that followed that. And that's what I wanted to uh, end with tonight. See, circumstantially, things were going really, really well. <laughs> Looking up. I had a wonderful new beginning with the best man alive. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> I won. <laughs> I had a new career outside of ministry, but one that fed my creativity and provided financially. And so if we were basing our definition on, of blessing on uh, circumstantial comfort, like, I was winning. I should have felt like the most blessed of all women. And yet in my heart, a battle was raging, stirring up darkness and turmoil and a sense of defeat. 
About three months after we got married, I fell into the deepest spell of anxiety and depression, and I had to go off sick from work, and I had to begin to take all sorts of drugs to try and regulate my mind and my heart. I began experiencing panic attacks and having bad dreams. I had fallen into a pit of despair, and I couldn't quite claw my way out, and it didn't make sense to me. Everything was going well. Everything was going good. But God is good in every season. And I'm so happy to know the God of the mountaintop who celebrates with us on our best days, like wedding days and surprise for pregnant days. Those are great days. But I am so thankful for the God who suffers alongside us, who meets us in the muck and sits with us long enough that we know our worth. He began to speak to me really, really gently but profoundly about the past, about the places where I had partnered with disappointment, where I had set up residency in resignation. It wasn't enough that God wanted to bring me comfort to the wound of betrayal and abandonment. He wanted to breathe fresh hope and expectation over me for the future. That's the blessing. And I had to learn to dream all over again. I had to learn to trust that God would carry me forward again. And it required the skills um, and the touch of just a master physician who um, realigned my posture so that I could take my eyes off the disappointment of the past and set them firmly ahead of me, seeking the appointment of the Lord again. I wonder if there are some of us in the room tonight and we need a posture realignment. We need to do some hard soul work and honestly deal with our sense of disappointment before the Lord and then allow him to move us out of that place. It's never that God dismisses our pain. It's real. It's valid. But what God can do that no one else can is he can transform it. He can beautifully repurpose it, exchanging beauty for ashes. That's what our God does. You know, we weren't made first and foremost for comfort. It's really, really great, <laughs> and it helps, but it's not the goal. We were made for adventure and for purpose and assignment and kingdom expectation, and my sense is that God is wanting to release some of that in the room tonight. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. love having the opportunity to come and tell some of my story and, and, and be able to really point towards um, Jesus. It's the honor and privilege of my life, but the reality is that it's the Holy Spirit that does the stuff. 
And so I'm just really gonna uh, simply invite Harry to come, and if this is brand new to you, this isn't weird. <laughs> this isn't a heavy moment, you don't need to do anything. We're just gonna simply invite him to come, the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. That's who he is. And we're gonna invite his presence to just rest on everyone in the room. And you don't have to get up. You can just posture yourself however you um, like to receive. So maybe you wanna bow your head or maybe you wanna set your arms out. That's totally fine, however you feel comfortable. And so I'm aware that this is a room filled with so many different experiences. Disappointments, stories, journeys, whatever language you want to put on that. And so I just ask Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you meet each one in this room? Each of us right now, God. Would you meet us in that deep, deep inner space where no one else gets to go? is almost like a physical thing. It's not just a it's just a spiritual thing or a mental idea, but it is a, a heaviness of your body, even where your neck is sore, your back is sore. You've been experiencing that, and God is just wanting to just tonight lift that heaviness off you, heal you, make you whole. I was thinking earlier as I just was kind of before I came into the room about um, there's a lovely mountain in Donegal where we live and uh, it's called Mount Errigal and you can go and, and climb it it's a beautiful climb and I've done it once so it's not like I'm a mountain here okay <laughs> I've climbed it once and uh, but to get to, even to the base of the mountain you had to trudge through like bog and so by the time you even got to the base of the mountain, well, by the time I got to the base of the mountain, I was exhausted. <laughs> and I just feel like there are some people in here tonight, and that's what I'm talking about. You are exhausted from trudging through the muck and the mire of hurt and pain and disappointment, and especially in this past season. And the good news is God says, would you just rest with me a moment? Allow me to sit with you here, right at the base of the mountain. But look up. See where we're going. That's where I want to take you. And you maybe don't feel like you have the strength to climb that right now. That's okay. But would you at least look up? See where we're going. 
It is good. I felt like there were people who came in here tonight and they're carrying the spirit of despair. And particularly around the area of mourning and grief. Again, God is not the God who dismisses that. He is the God who would want to sit with you. Love you. Speak tenderly to you. But I felt like there were people and you carried that for so long. It's almost like you're wearing um, like those kind of old-fashioned mourning clothes. Like really heavy, black, black, heavy fabric. And he was saying, it doesn't have to be like this. I want to exchange those garments. I want to release joy into your life again where there has been grief and it's been heavy. Would you allow me to dress you and give you something new to wear tonight? specifically to the disappointment of baby loss and those who have struggled to conceive. After a while you stop talking about that, don't you? Because you think there's like a time limit for that. Like I've got to stop talking about that now because I should be over it. And I think we do that with God too. We stop bringing the really hard stuff the painful stuff to him because we think we should be past this now and I felt like God wanted to just remind you that there is no time limit with him however long it takes I will stay with you I will sit with you but would you bring it to me don't not bring it to me keep bringing it to me because if you don't I can't repurpose it if you don't I can't change your posture I can't give you expectation for the future again and I just felt like especially for people who were trying to conceive in the room tonight if that's you, you've got to come and get prayer ministry before you go because God is wanting to release hope-filled expectation for the future again. Do not leave here partnering with disappointment. Lastly, I felt like God wanted to just generally release a sense of expectation over us again. And I love how Catherine came and shared how that beautiful restorative ministry that's happening in the city started at her kitchen table in her home. And I just felt like the, all of them, we've talked about the physicality of pregnancy and the natural, but I just felt like there was something where God wanted to just breathe hope and expectation for the future again. Dreams that he gives us to carry to fruition, dreams that we would get to birth for the kingdom all over the island. And the last season has tried to steal that from us. It's tried to steal um, our ability to dream with God expectation. And I feel like he's releasing it again over some of us tonight. some friends with me tonight and I just want to check. I'd like to give them an opportunity to, to do this stuff too. Do you guys have anything that you want to come and share?
she's an Ain, sometimes that's you know, and our identity, that's what we're known as, our identity. It could be a cultural, I didn't hear her words, so kind of, <laughs> it kind of marries up. It could be a cultural name, it could be from your um, background, you could be named after a family member, you could be named after a famous film star. <clears throat> it, it becomes your legacy. It's sometimes it's a baton that's passed on. It could be an heirloom. It could be your history from your family. And I am, um, very much have a story just like Steph does um, and I have a real passion for parents and parenting is the hardest job that you'll ever do because you never get the thanks until your child's an adult. Um, I've been a single parent, I hope that instills hope and, and to any single parents in the room, I'm now married with three other children um, and I really feel that the Lord wants mothers to know their value and to know that they are his daughters before they are a mother. And I really felt strongly um, as a mother and as a daughter that we need to know our value as a daughter to be the best mother we can possibly be. Um, I really particularly, if there's a single parent in the room, it would really encourage me. I really feel there's a, a parent in the room Maybe you're not single, maybe you're a parent and you're struggling. I really want to pray with you. I really want to impart hope into your situation, hope into your parenting, hope into your value as a mother. Um, I have nursed for 30 years. I started when I was five. Um, and I have recently become a health visitor and that was a vision and a dream that God planted in my heart when I became a single mother at 21. My first daughter's called Zoe, that means the eternal life of God. And I specifically named her. That's why I asked, what is in a name? I named her so that would be her legacy. Because there's no child not wanted. There's no child not planned. I can't believe I'm even standing saying this after hearing her story. And I babysat this girl again when I was five. <laughs> So, please, be brave, encourage me, you know, parenting is the hardest job. If you're struggling with a child right now, if you're feeling vulnerable in your parenting, in your capability of parenting, you're a daughter of a king, and a king's daughter is a princess. In her legacy, they are able to do great things. You don't need the money, you don't need the equipment, you don't need anything, you just need to know how valuable you are and how much God loves you.
Okay, I imagine that that covers like all of us, right? <laughs> so um, here's what we're going to do. If you are a part of this church, Carrickfocus Vineyard, and you normally pray for people, I'm going to invite you to come up. You'll know who you are. Uh, I'm going to invite you to come up and be at the front here, and we're going to respond. We're going to respond to what God is wanting to do in the room tonight. I'm going to get everybody else to stand so no one feels awkward and, and disengaged. And so if any of that is for you, if you are here tonight and you feel like, man, I've given so much of my heart, I've given permission for so much, I've had expectation for so much, but I haven't given it all and you need to respond to that, can you come up and get prayer? Maybe find Steph, maybe get whoever you can, whoever's available to you. If that word from Donna was for you, if you just need some encouragement tonight as a parent, specifically maybe a single parent, come up and speak with Donna. She'd love to pray for you. If you're here tonight and you um, have experienced child loss or you're finding it difficult to conceive, can you come up? We would love to stand with you as your sisters tonight and pray for you. And we would love to, to, to wait with you, that you would bring that before the Lord, bring that disappointment before him and allow him to repurpose it and reposture you towards expectation again. Uh, if you're here tonight and you just need the touch from the Lord for anything, healing in your body, we would love to pray for you. So I think the band are going to play. Um, and don't disengage. If you don't want to come up for prayer ministry, that's fine. You can sing along. Um, or you can pray from where you're at. Begin to pray for people and begin to ask God, what are you saying? What are you doing, God? How could I have expectation for the people in front of me? Um, and, uh, and then maybe go and find those people and give that word away. Uh, you can be released to do that. So, yeah, God, I invite you to come. Holy Spirit, move in this place tonight. We want to leave changed. We want to leave with just a better posture. We want to leave with our eyes fixed on you, the author and finisher of our faith, and not the past, not disappointment, not COVID, not what we've had to set down over the past two years. And so, God, whatever you're inviting us to pick up now, God, we want to run into that with uh, eyes and, and um, eyes of faith and a posture of expectation. So, God, come, move, and do what only you can do. We love you, and we say, come and have your way. Amen. So, guys, come, 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 come.